Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And this episode is a solo episode with just Young Me and me. And we're doing this because this is part of our final countdown series. Yes. And uh, Young Me, you had the, the idea for this episode, and I think it's really fun. Um, okay, so my idea was that we should, Brian and I, I said we should listen to the first episode we ever did, and then we can <laughs> just discuss it and see how things have changed or things haven't changed and like just sort of listen to it which is cringy because i haven't listened to it ever i think i think when we first recorded it and it came out i listened to it and i was like yeah this is fine yeah yeah yeah. no i (laughs) i haven't listened to it since it first came out yeah and basically we each chose uh audio clips yeah that we wanted to expand upon and you know we both listened to the episode and we both brought our clips and uh, yeah, this was like a really fun practice to just kind of see how far we've come since episode one. Yeah, you know, the in the in the end, there is a little part of the beginning. Right? Is that a saying? I don't know. Um, if you want the listeners, you you can listen to the first episode before you listen to this, or you probably don't have to because we're going to share the clips anyway. It'll be kind of yeah, redundant. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we went through it so you don't have to. <laughs> but, you know. It's always good to go back and remember where you came from. So if you've been a dedicated <laughs> listener, take a trip down memory lane with us. Brian, what were your like overall, sorry, what were your overall thoughts like just from listening to the episode? Honestly, I was expecting it to be uh, very cringe and horrible. Yeah. And my overall thoughts were, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good too. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, whoa, considering... Because we felt so... I wouldn't say insecure, but we both acknowledged that we didn't really know what we were doing because we had never made a podcast before. Yeah. And listening through it, I thought it was pretty... It was solid. It was a great first episode. Yeah, it it sounded good and it sounded... I mean, because at that point, we had just been doing comedy. We We had not been doing podcasts. So it was like... There is like a little air of like uh, like that kind of vibe but uh like how i how i say the intro is so cringe i'm like welcome to feeling asian or something like that oh i was gonna say that uh you can sense some some joy and happiness in my voice there's like a pep to my step in episode one and now that we're here just beaten down brutally by the content algorithm (laughs) yeah there there is a little sparkle in your voice um (laughs) it's like um but i have to say cannot confirm nor deny (laughs) i have to say that you know how we're always like oh god we always have the same five jokes i was correct we've had the same five jokes since episode one (laughs) like it's like oh yeah i was like damn i i have been singing the same joke for three years now <laughs> fuck <laughs> oh man but no overall uh i thought i thought i was gonna crawl on my skin a bit more than i actually did i i enjoyed it and i i was proud of the first episode that we put out there yeah it's good and i, I remember when we recorded it i thought it felt really 
rambly because I was like not used to recording a podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it felt very like, it's very long form feeling. And I was like, oh man, was I even making sense? But yeah, it's like, it's good. Yeah. It holds up. Nah, that shit was tight. It was so good. <laughs> I was listening to it. I was like, damn, did we didn't even need any other episodes. This is what, we just said everything in one episode. We're done. <laughs> we should have quit while we were ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the shortest podcast ever just one episode and then you know what that's it that's all we have <laughs> the to say. feeling asian podcast that's just <laughs> we'll we'll amend the title to the feeling asian podcast delete the entire episode library and just leave that one yeah <laughs> um well do you want to wait do you how are you feeling we should talk about we only have a few episodes left so we should keep doing the how are we feeling how are you feeling brian great how am I feeling? I am feeling, uh, yeah, so as you know, this podcast is coming to an end. I've been seeing, I guess, I've been going to a lot of like dinners and I went to Frankie's book launch event and oh, nice. uh, yeah, it was super fun, but I forget that people... I, I'm just not aware of who's listening to the podcast. So lately I've been hearing it a lot where people are like, oh my God, I'm so sad it's ending. Yeah. And uh, it makes it more, obviously I have like, I'm at, I'm content. I'm at terms with it, but just can't, like, I keep hearing it and I'm like, oh damn, it is, it's the end of the end. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I feel good though. I'm, I've lately I've been um, writing a lot and I guess there is this, because there's this vast unknown that I'm stepping into next. Mm. Like, it's not, I know what my goals are beyond the podcast, but uh, it's not concrete yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, coming up, and that coming up with the holiday season with my family. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of questions that I'm going to have to answer. Uh, yeah. But... So that that aspect of it is making me a little bit not annoyed or uneasy, but just like, all right, here we go. Going to have to explain why why we're ending the pod and what's next. And yeah. uh, so that aspect is making me a little bit anxious. Um, but yeah, aside from that, overall, I'm feeling, feeling good. Feeling very good, actually. I think just doing my shit and um producing more work uh it's made uh, i feel good i feel really productive mm. yeah 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 so i've been lately yeah no complaints i feel really good the only com- the only thing i have to say is i'm a little bit anxious for the holiday season but i think a lot of people feel that way whenever uh family's involved yeah i that's why I don't see my family, which is something I brought up in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Still but, here. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm fine. I'm physically sick. I got like a cold or whatever, the cold or flu that's like going around. Yeah. And yeah. I just feel like shit. You know, like this is probably the first cold that I got during the entire COVID thing that wasn't COVID. And I just mm. forgot that like, you can get sick and it's not covid and it still feels bad <laughs> you know like, i'm just like man, I feel like shit i've been covid testing every day and it's negative and i'm like are you sure it's not covid because i need an excuse 
Right, right, right. Uh, it might be the flu. It's weird. I don't have a fever. Mino got sick too. Neither of us had a fever. Oh. It was just like a cough and just like a physical fatigue. Um, mm. But yeah, emotionally, I feel... Yeah, I feel like very, all these things are up in the air. And, you know, like I said, there's all these big feelings that pro I'm probably like putting off processing. Yeah, so I'm just feeling sick. <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally drained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking sick. It's, you know, it's doing Damn, that a sucks. number on my brain. This is right off the, this is off the heels of a, a big deadline that you just completed. Yeah. So rather than parting it up and unwinding now you're just sick yeah i'm just drinking <laughs> some water my neck feels really stiff i don't know what's going on Whew. yeah 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 well All right let's get started uh let's just get into the meat of it so um listeners we're gonna with the help of our wonderful audio engineer extraordinaire ollie um We've selected our clips and we'll play them back for you from the first episode. And, uh, you know, Young Me and I, we both came with our selections and we have our reasons for them. And yeah. The first we're just gonna one go is in chronological, yours. Yeah. You so we'll go in chronological order. And um, great. So, yeah, let's do it. The operative word should existed right. a lot. Like, I should be doing this, I should be doing that because I want to do something else, I feel a lot of shame. And right. it wasn't until I started going to therapy about a year ago when I started to realize how harmful and dangerous the word should is. Yep. And in general, you know, as growing up as a kid, if I had seen other Asians who were as open and transparent about a variety of things, it would have been able to quell any of this shame that I had. Like it would have been helpful for you to see somebody being open about what they were going through too. Totally. Is okay. Yeah, yeah. What did you like about this? So clip? this, yeah. So I chose this clip because I think, in a lot of ways, it highlighted my um, mental state at the time mm. and what I really wanted to um, just what I was navigating and going through yeah. more than anything. And I, you know, I kept saying the word should, and mm -hmm. that was something that I worked through a lot in um, when I, you know, was, was working with the therapist and, uh, listening to it again in the first episode was a good reminder because it it does take a lot of active work on my end like it doesn't come naturally to me mm -hmm. i will say though that i also enjoyed it because i don't think i like have this issue as prominently as i did three years ago when we first started the podcast so to me it indicates like Growth. i just think that i ha I, I yeah it just indicates growth mm -hmm. and um but yeah i think it was a i think it's a good reminder for everyone that uh because i was just so out of sorts and not even in touch with what my internal desires were anymore because i had too many like 
exterior voices and forces that were dictating how I should lead a life, whether it was in the realm of like, mm. this is what it looks like to be a good son. This is what it looks like to be a good boyfriend. This is what it looks like to be a good employee. This is what it looks like to be a good friend. And yeah. I was just like, like a Lego, like all like I, I there was I wasn't myself anymore, you know. So, you know, I, I remember you talking about this in the first episode and I remember you bringing it up multiple times. What was the yeah. like, what was the sort of, I guess, the advice about the word should that your therapist was saying? Like, you should try to get it out of your life? Well, it's just like, there, yeah, just cut it out entirely because mm. there is no should, really. Like, if you th if I think about it, like, all the things that I should be doing are just... <laughs> like parameters that are made up by other people mm. like me you know yeah and obviously you need to have the ba bare necessities down first so you know you, you need to you need to have enough money for rent you need to have enough food to survive and yeah. like be in good health and order like those things I've, i i still believe like come first more than anything but then once you have like the fundamentals down what you decide to do or how you want to lead your life is entirely up to you. And there are, you know, there's obviously like blue, you know, blueprints or people you look up to or like models for how to lead a life, but yeah. nothing is, you know, nothing's a permanent or, but yeah. Uh, so I was just like, so it, for me, it was just removing like should, like I don't, there's no should. No one's telling me to do anything. Right. These are all just that makes sense. like, theoretically made up things in my head and i also think like right going through with the overcoming that instinct and going through with the actual thing mm -hmm. so even this podcast is an example of that of like oh i shouldn't do a podcast i should continue doing stand-up because i'd done it for so long i should do this and after having gone against the impulse of not doing it and having done it coming out on the other side of it things are never as bad as you anticipate they'll go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In my experience. <laughs> well, let's hear... It's not like... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why. For me, it was more like, okay, wow, I think I've grown a lot since yeah. the recording of this podcast. But it was also a reminder of like, this is what I was really going through. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good reminder to listen to yourself and see like, okay, what are these actions or these desires of yours? Are they coming from a place of like personal autonomy or is it coming entirely from a place of oh i should do this and whether that should is a healthy one or an unhealthy one right all right yeah so that's why i chose it but uh off to your selection young me all right actually brian can i do you want me to include the one that i did about making your you don't care oh wait okay i'm gonna include it because i think it's funny okay so the first clip that I chose was just a little joke, a little jokey joke, but I thought it was so funny because <laughs> you say <laughs> you say something like, "Oh, I don't care what our parents what my parents think," but it's like, yeah. I'm sure the listeners know by now that you do care a lot about what your parents think. And oh, yeah. and I like I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're you're trying to be like, oh yeah, let's like live our truth or something, which is you know inspirational. But I actually like call you out on it in the first episode. I'm like, 
Brian, that was like the most like <laughs> like the most unbelievable <laughs> like I don't care what my parents think or something like that. So I thought it was really funny. It's just a little joke. In general, I think we are both uh we both don't adhere to conventional norms of Asian American expectations. Yes. Because as you mentioned just right now, I think a lot of Asian culture has unwritten rules uh-huh. and uh, fear of judgment right. is um, like a big motivating factor of a lot of actions. Right, right. And I think we are an example of people who kind of broke away from that standard. Yeah, for sure. And I know for a fact that I experience a lot of judgment from my own family. But I honestly, I, yeah, but I don't care. And but it's we great. Are, <laughs> that was the most... Weak, like I don't care. <laughs> Zero <laughs> I conviction. I don't care that what my parents say. I'm just kidding. I, I'm always like, I don't give a shit about what my parents say. But then I'm like, please love me and accept me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. I mean, fuck, fuck me. <laughs> Has there been any growth? Well, listeners, you decide. <laughs> No, but I'm, uh, it's true though. It's, I'm glad you called me out on it. I, I would say that they are a very, they have been a strong, uh, force in my life in terms of what, like how, how, what it means to lead a good life. And I respect, I obviously respect their lived experiences and the advice they have for me, but. Also, I think um, that our dynamic works because a lot of people, you know, in the Asian community really do care about what their parents think. And it's like, that's fine. You know, it's. Yeah, 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 it's for sure. It's up to you to um, navigate that. <laughs> and ta- it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you know, if you're, if they're in your life, you care about what they think. Oh, for sure. I think one of the, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, but one of the most eye-opening moments for me as a kid was when I went over to my uh, friend's, slept over at my friend's house and he was white and he got into an argument with his dad and he was like, shut the fuck up, dad. You're fucking stupid. And I was like, yo. <laughs> wow. You, it, this is where you, it would have been good if you had Asian parents. <laughs> oh my God. Or at least my parents, because, you know, not all Asian parents are the same, but um, yeah. Okay, so the, the third clip is also my choice again. Mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I thought this was a very interesting topic that we brought up right away, first episode, because you, Brian, were talking about how this is like the introduction of both of, you know, like who we are as comedians, because obviously no one knew who we were at that point. And um, right. during your introduction, you said that you like became a comedian because as a kid growing up in like this, like all white, like community or mostly white community, like um, you used comedy to combat any like racism that you would face like as a kid. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you developed a sense of humor around your race to, you know, as a defense mechanism. And um, I thought that was fascinating because I think a lot of people understand exactly what that means. And a lot of Asian people do that to protect themselves from this like harshness of racism as children, you know, and even people who Mm, mm. didn't become comedians. But I thought that was a very interesting, like sort of villain origin story. you so that that's my choice you talking about that 
Growing up in a lot of white communities, I think I naturally developed a sense of humor as a way to cope with discrimination that I experienced as an Asian person. Right. So it was a survival mechanism that I that I just gained. Like so when people would throw like racial epithets at me Mm -hmm. i would just kind of just brush it off like laugh Mm -hmm. it off or have like a quick witty reply to it right and so anytime i felt uncomfortable with my emotions i would just flip it into a joke (gasps) yeah and that's what drew me to what so that drew me to stand-up comedy because i thought i was funny you know did i was something about the where you said that you would use humor as a way to like fight the like racist stuff that was happening to you i'm i've met you know, now I have a lot of Asian American friends who only grew up in America, like white America. And a lot of them, they say they were the only Asian person in a ho- totally white classroom. Yeah. And some of them still live in these like to- small towns that they're from. And when I hang out with them now, even as like people in our mid thirties, they, a lot of their humor is like this very like racist humor against themselves yeah like they'll, they'll be like you know i'll just be talking to them and they'll be like oh me love you long time you know what i mean and i'm like why are you doing that voice <laughs> do you know like people like do you know what i'm talking about i know exactly because uh, i was that and so it's, i was gonna ask you was that the kind of humor that you would do to sort of like appease your white like peers yeah right? absolutely i mean yeah. i felt and in some ways i felt almost embarrassed to mm. be asian like right. my mom would pack me kimchi lunches yeah. in middle school and I would ask her to not do that because I would get made fun of because yeah. of the way it smelled. Right. Or I would make, I remember making jokes about how I'm like, well, well, like girls don't like me cause I'm Asian mm. and be like har har har. Yeah. And it sickens me now, but yeah. it's just part of uh, growing up and coming to terms with your identity. <sighs> oh man. <laughs> um yeah no it's it is true although in a lot of ways i feel that uh yeah it's it's a it's a funny thing um because it's true i acknowledge it i i think that's was my first foray into comedy and uh back then i i I leaned into stereotypes because i wanted to endear myself to uh you know to my to all the non-asian people in my in my school but i would say a lot of my writing now converse like it's a bit different now and a lot of what the purpose of comedy is for me and uh i think a lot of my writing doesn't deal with uh, my asian american identity so much Mm. and it's interesting now speaking about it now after having done this podcast for three years where uh you know uh, this this podcast was like an outlet for me to explore all those feelings and all those emotions that center around my asian quote-unquote asianness but um a lot of the stuff that i'm writing now it doesn't delve into that and i think Mm. partially because it's just like a it's a seesaw where these past three years i had a lot of time to process and vocalize and express that facet of myself Mm -hmm. but um i think part of my excitement now is like i get to catch up on all this other wealth of material or feelings that i want to explore that are that don't necessarily deal with my asian identity and um yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's just like you <laughs> have to really like know yourself. My process has gone that way. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's like For now sure. that you know yourself really well, you can talk about anything with a solid yeah, foundation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think, you know, we were talking about how we've learned so much about our identities doing this podcast. I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me, I've learned my like core beliefs, I think, as a creative, which, you know, every joke that I write, every premise, there's never going to be mm -hmm. a, a, like any sort of deprecating my culture or cutting down yeah. my culture for the joke. Because like where I'm coming from is always going to be a place of trying to uplift and subvert harmful stereotypes. And so, yeah. Yeah, but I I think this is just an interesting backstory for you, and I think a lot of Asian people <laughs> will definitely. I think this it's a, it's a relatable Joker backstory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I used to tell. I used to. Um, one of the jokes I used to love telling was like, "Oh no! Uh, how do we, how do <laughs> this is gonna be offensive? But it's okay. This is this is our podcast with Asian listeners. But do I used it. to be like, oh, what are the." Uh, how do um, Asian people look at the Empire State Building? And then I would turn my head sideways. Oh no! <laughs> <our eyes. laughs> Bro, I was I was like eight, like eight or nine, you know. <laughs> and you know, I mean, honestly, like people, they wanted you to do that, like that. You had to do that to fit in. It was unfair. Yeah, but you know, those laughs. Ch chasing that high <laughs> maybe we should just go back they to laughed doing really and laughed and laughed. racist <laughs> stereotypical asian humor and then we'll be so famous we'll we'll sell out msg <laughs> i'm down that's gonna be my joker origin story <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, you have uh, you selected another clip. Oh yeah, the next one. Listeners, yeah. I selected clips. Mine are towards the end. <laughs> rest assured. <laughs> oh yeah. So number f the the third clip that I chose. Um. So this is actually I was actually like we were saying that this episode sounded so much better than what we expected, and I I pretty mm -hmm. much like say very clearly the like my biggest issue in life and i talk about why it took me so long to start comedy obviously i started at the point when we started the podcast i had been doing comedy for one year <laughs> i don't know if, yeah um and so i was very new to it and um it, it took me until i was 33 years old to even say out loud that i wanted to be a stand-up comedian because of this feeling that i felt that i did not deserve as a human being to get something that i really wanted and i right. literally say it in the first episode i swear to god we only needed to do one episode brian i said everything i needed to say <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i talk about this like idea of like growing up and you know like somehow absorbing this message from my parents that i am not somebody that's deserving of things that will make me happy i am the person yeah, that's there yeah. to help other people and i'm I'm just like the helper. And I think a lot of Asian women, um, Asian people in general, a lot of women that are not Asian, a lot of people, whatever, ha are raised with these sort of like ideas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if something makes you happy, then you sh you don't deserve that. And you should never try for that. Because who are right, you? Right, right. Who are you to think you could, you know, whatever it is, right? My journey into doing stand-up has a lot to do with, I feel like, the broad topic of our podcast, which is 
emotions and like what we learn from our culture right and yeah. shame um i feel like this is a true story i've always i've always known i've wanted to do stand-up since i was a kid really like, when i was a kid i used to watch stand-up all the time like that's all i would watch on tv in saipan yeah in saipan whoa we we got all the stations they were <laughs> they were one month late one full mo- i don't know why they were one month late so everything for everything we, for all the shows oh but weird. we got them one month late so i would watch like comedy so Central. you're watching the new year's eve ball drop on yeah. february 1st seriously and then i felt like st- well i don't think we could enter the anyway but you know on tv there always be those sweepstakes oh so you would just like be late Dunkaroos or something it's like make sure to send it in by august 3rd and it'll be like august 14th and i'm like fuck <laughs> i can't win a million dollars in dunkaroo cash or something but like but um it's, but i would watch stand up all the time and i knew that that's what i wanted to do yeah. i literally never said it out loud until okay two years ago in therapy and then Whoa. literally the next day i like started doing open mics Whoa! and i said it out loud to my therapist and she was like that's so weird you've never talked about anything like that ever and i'm like i've literally never said that out loud in my entire life so it was just an afterthought even when you brought it up in therapy you were like going in depth about your feelings and then at the very end you're like oh by the way i want to try stand up and she's like mm, that's our time young See <laughs> yeah, you next yeah week. literally i was like yeah, so I, I feel really gr- good about myself. Also, you know, I want to do stand-up all my life since I was a child. Never said it out loud. Bye. Like, <laughs> 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 And so then after I said it out loud, I just started doing it. And then, like, I just started doing it every day. Yeah. And for me, it has a lot to do with, I, I think this will ring, you'll probably know what I'm talking about, being allowed to be feeling like you're allowed to do something that makes you happy. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, just just thinking like in my mind i was like i'm not allowed to ever do stand-up because that would actually make me very happy Mm. and i'm first of all who am i to like think i'm important enough to be heard who am i to think i can get in front of people and talk yeah you know this is like so it's very good that we're doing a podcast right now (laughs) (laughs) listen to me the entire time it's just like 20 percent confidence 80 percent like why are people gonna listen to this yeah they're not but but you know like so just think just thinking that i deserve to have anyone listen to me and then at this point in my life um you know my close friends know that this is how i act yeah but up to this point i literally never talked like i never talked in public i would go to parties i wouldn't say anything i would just sit there yeah and that was like my life like i was you know like my life um i i i just got divorced but i was married to somebody that was like uh someone that was a little bit more prominent so we would go places and everybody would want to talk to him and like that was my role and i was very comfortable in that role you were comfortable because that's what i thought i deserved that's what i was like raised to think that i deserved that like i'm some somebody that's there to help somebody else wow like a caretaker which is like my mom's role in my family and that's like what i learned watching her yeah and um and so but then like obviously through therapy i was like that's that's not what i want in my life and you know what like why can't i just say this is what i want to do yeah why can't i just try to do it do you know what i mean yeah no i think uh but honestly it's i feel that since the inception of this podcast you doing comedy and being so vocal about your life journey you've become this uh role model or this symbol of what's possible because i i feel that 
this is a DM or a message or an email that we would get from listeners frequently in that your, like, I guess your defiance against what would have been a solid or what's expected of you lifestyle, uh-huh. like, made it seem possible for so many other people who tuned in to your just your being and your personhood right and so i don't know if uh i think it's a uh, that we needed more than one episode of this podcast for that reason because people (laughs) will be able to like tune in and know and like feel inspired by that because that's not easy to do you know and it makes so much sense like when you laid it out in those terms as to why it took you so long to start doing comedy and how like what you needed to go through and what you needed to process in order to make space for yourself and fucking hell three years later you're all over my timeline (laughs) i'm on i'm on your for you page i have to say i think we actually i think i go in depth about this topic and the actual backstory of why i like learned this in the second or third episode um where i talk about like my mom but yeah this is like this was a very profound shift in my life and at this point of recording this episode it had only been a year since it had happened so i think i had a really good handle on it right and then yeah young me i'm curious about this next clip you chose you picked it and in our notes you have we talk about our parents <laughs> oh it's, well it's kind of like an expansion of the the joke jokey joke that i put in earlier <laughs> okay. where you're like i don't care about my parents um i actually like I think we just like get into this idea of like, I actually think you, you say again, like who cares what your parents think or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) but it's just like, it's just about, yeah. Like, um, I think it was just like, I, I like, I don't really remember. It's just like how we feel like the importance of the, uh, the opinion of our parents. And you were going off on how fucked up your korean mom was to you yeah and i remember no one was really laughing but as i was watching you i was like yo this is my shit right here i feel like you were laughing i was laughing so much because it was like i felt like i was being seen like this was (laughs) it was just speaking to me on at such a deep carnal level and so i was like oh like you got tattoos and i'm like you dress really cool and i'm like oh, i really want to be friends with this person Aww. but primarily i remember talking to you i was like hey that stuff about how your korean mom fucked you up was really good <laughs> was, uh, tell us more brian what's your story about your korean mom oh gosh my well my uh, she well my parents are very supportive of my comedy career now right. but at first it, it, it took some getting used to oh, yeah. I, it wasn't until they saw me perform where they uh could understand like why i would be interested in something like this yeah and you know it's very um my parents are very results oriented so rather right. than just being able to accept that i enjoyed the process of writing jokes and being able to express myself on stage uh-huh. it wasn't really until they saw me do a show where it was sold out and i did well on it where they were like oh you're good at this right so this is something like now i can accept you doing this because you're good at it but when you quit like your medical career i don't even know how to say this because i've never <laughs> went to college like, when you quit, quit doing your, your degrees and uh, medicine people. health then they were upset right when you quit school um well they just couldn't believe it wow they thought it was a um like a phase 
and then the phase just never went away and then you would go back to school and become a doctor yeah mm. well i mean to this day my parents still ask if i could go to grad school for comedy and i'm like what <laughs> was there a grad school for comedy no but going to grad school for comedy <laughs> would that be like the worst means. possible thing for your comedy career you go not only go into debt but then there is like you're taking time away from being able to do comedy yeah, that's amazing totally but uh, um yeah so that's our background yeah yeah well we i think we went over our backs we go over our backstories here where i think mine mimics the one that's more popularly portrayed in media of yeah like american dream and parents push kid to go to graduate school for professional services career and white picket fence and then doing the thing and then your story is a bit more uh is the story less told yeah. you know because you, you grew up in saipan and grew up in a lot of different places and uh yeah but you know <laughs> but i think uh, i honestly i feel like now doing this podcast for a while i think that there are a bunch of asian people that have that do, do react to their families like i do and yeah, yeah and yeah. it's it's like if it, you just don't really hear about it as much and i think that it's very isolating for people because they think they're like every every other asian person is like doing the good thing and like giving their parents a thousand dollars every month and you know what i mean like and they feel like I'm the only one that like cut my family off. But I think there's like actually a lot of Asian people that do live life like that. So. Oh, totally. And I think after three years of doing this pod, I realized how uh, ignorant I was when I first recorded this because I, you know, it's just uh, an example of how um, little I really knew about my Asian identity at the time of recording because mm. i just assumed oh everyone clearly everyone must have a parental relationship like i did and this is what's this is what's portrayed on media so clearly this is the universal truth and no I think, if anything yeah. no i yeah if anything there is it's still like a, a small sliver it's just grossly overrepresented because hearing all of our different guests backstories and listening reading through messages from our listeners i'm like oh no there this is really true that we are i mean it's said time and time again but we are truly not a monolith and yeah. when i recorded it i i definitely i'll admit i'll be like yeah this is gonna be relatable clearly everyone must have an experience like i did no, but I think that that's a valid, I, uh, that's valid because that's the narrative that people are, are given. And so like, why why would you even, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. So I, I think it's like <laughs> valid. And I just, yeah, I'm really glad that we brought both of these perspectives the first episode. Yeah. And then the next clip, um, we both chose. Yeah. So this is, we both chose this next clip. Yeah my whole thing with like the stereotypes about asians i really dislike 
hearing them because I don't necessarily think it's true, but there is like a certain amount of emotional repression that happens in Asian society. Mm-hmm. It's not fully like how people say it in America because I feel like that I that understanding of it is through like the white gaze where they're like, you are all like st- stuffed up and quiet. And I'm like, that's not necessarily like 100% true, but there is a lot of like... Interesting. In Asian culture, there is a lot of think about the others before yourself which i think is a great thing about their culture and everyone should have there should be more of that in america if anything Mm -hmm. but that does lead to like extreme or like parts of the society where it's not good for people because it's like it just basically becomes like everything you feel before you can express it think about how other people will react to it and that's very harmful sometimes to people yeah my parents do that to me all the time where if they if they uh if they don't agree with something that i do yeah their rebuttal is always well what do you like what do you like have you ever thought about us like what do you think our family would think of you if they found out you were doing this and that's where i'm as an asian american i think this is integral to our experience as Asian Americans is that we're caught in between. Like you said, in uh, Western like American society, it's very individualistic. Like yeah. your feelings come first. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all about if you have a dream, go for it. Whatever you're feeling, just do it. And yeah. being raised here, I admire and I agree with those with that mantra. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the Asian side that I was grow- like that I was raised with at home, where it's yeah. about your feelings come secondary to the greater system. Yeah. I think, I think there's like a, a balance there because like living in America, and I know like all Americans can see this, how damaging that ideology is to America. Yeah. Just to like put yourself first and think about what you feel, you know, yeah. more than like, and especially with white Americans, like having that entitlement of like how their emotions are more important than anything else. That's like where, where you get like these white women calling cops on like, I'm scared of this like 10 year old black child. Like it's all these terrible things are sort of like kind of from that, like yeah. really. It's like they don't realize that. Intense they're ideology. within this they're in this uh they're like a cog in this systemic racism yeah because so it's everyone's so entitled to like make sure that their voice is heard you know you, you always hear that and people get like panicky and they're like no 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 you everyone needs to hear me like yeah and a lot of people that live in america that feel oppressed in another way like sort of it comes out in this weird way where they they feel then entitled and like this is okay this is too sloppy but like <laughs> but you know there's a lot of like this is getting too big I'm and listening. like now i'm just like where what am i even talking about You're like what's medical school uh, well, all i'm saying what, what is it <laughs> is it med what is it but um but what i'm trying to say is like uh, this all i'm trying to say is that there are a lot of problems that happen in american society based on that ideology yeah I think and in the same way there's a lot of problems that happen with asian ideology of putting others before you and i feel like there is a balance between the two absolutely like as a person you are entitled to when you're sad you can just cry you should be allowed to cry and everyone else should just be okay with that and even if like like, yeah and even if you're crying that 
your like you your favorite like your favorite sneakers got sold out online. Whatever you know, emotions are not logical. No, they don't have any logic. Sometimes you cry and you're like, I don't even. Uh, but that's like our right as human beings. You know, as long as it's not uh, obviously and sometimes stabbing it's li- people. And it's sometimes like, I'm angry. I'm gonna stab all these. <laughs> that's obviously you shouldn't do that. Yeah. But like, if you're angry, you should. We should, as a world society, be like, this person's angry. They can just scream or whatever. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence that we both chose this separately yes. in our homework process. <laughs> we both thought this was a great clip. I have to say, you know, it's basically a clip about Asian um, cultural ways that we view the individual and the whole versus, you know, how the West views individualism and the whole and which is a very common topic everyone talks about this all the time but i think we have a really fresh perspective on this i really liked our take yeah yeah i think after you know compared to when i we recorded the first episode to now i had a at the time of recording episode one i'd say that it was a i viewed it as a negative like the state of limbo and in-betweenness mm. and having to code switch and navigate between uh, the ideas of individualism and uh, East Asian collectivism. And I think coming out of it now, I see it as a blessing and overwhelmingly a, more of a positive because... It's just a, it's a different, it's another framework and tool set that I have at my disposal to process situations. I definitely agree. I think, I think, you know, our, both of us, like our entire lives, and I'm sure everyone that's listening to this, if you're like Asian American or you're part of the diaspora or, you know, you're biracial or anything like that, or you're adopted the harshness that we had in our childhoods like the hard time that we had trying to figure out where do i belong like i'm in the middle am i this or that (laughs) pays off now like what you said brian as like a superpower you know it's it's powerful to be able to exist in the in-between because now you know everything you know this that here there and everywhere in between so yeah and um so I selected the last two clips mm-hmm. and this is the part of the episode where we actually get answer. How are you feeling for the first time? Mm. And uh, so this clip I chose was from your response, young me. Mm-hmm. It seems like you've conditioned yourself into uh, believing that you were undeserving of, of- pleasure or yes, fun yes which i feel like is a big asian theme mm-hmm. like having fun is like a no-no yeah and so when she said that it was like a big breakthrough and so last friday i went out with our friend mike um and you know the next morning i woke up and i was like you know i don't feel bad i didn't do anything weird yeah i was just like i just like went and had i did drink a lot but like i didn't like i only made two poop jokes yeah i only made two poop jokes i only like <laughs> <laughs> and so then i was like you know, I, I woke up feeling sort of like the, the I feel like, you know, in therapy when you work through something and you're yeah. over it mentally, but there's still like muscle memory. 
Yeah, so I mean, I even if like you the, have a breakthrough, it takes practice. Yeah, like so anything. I felt that those like muscles of like shame and guilt, like coming back. But yeah. then in my in my head, intellectually being like, I didn't do anything wrong. Shut yourself up. But then also when I saw Mike, I was like, was I being stupid last night? And I was like. And then I felt bad for asking that because I don't feel bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's conditioned into you. It's conditioned into me to feel bad for having fun. Oh. But I, I just want to say that that was like something that came up with me last week where I was proud of myself. Yeah. For not falling into the well of like feeling ashamed for having fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So as you just listened, uh, this and this is something that I think has come up over the course of the recording of this podcast where... You have to shake off this shame that you feel after having fun. And uh, I specifically chose this um, because I like the way you framed it as like having to practice and take do work at shaking it off, you know, in spite of all of the other... (laughs) tools and therapy at your disposal and uh yeah i'm curious like how how was it listening to this in episode one because again this is like a thing that just doesn't go away you know yeah but actually i have to say that i've made huge strides in this area of my life um in the you just heard the clip basically every morning i would wake up and feel like a failure you know, my entire, my entire life, I would feel like an abysmal amount of shame and the feeling would come first as soon as I woke up. And then I would like log all these reasons why I was a fucking failure and a loser. Mm. And it had mm. usually involved my weight and food. So every morning I would wake up, feel like shit and be like, I am disgusting and I am like overweight and like I failed at my diet and I didn't exercise enough yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was mostly surrounding food. Um, this is, you know, at the tail end of coming out of like just my severe era of eating disorders, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was an era. And, um, and then it was also tied to other aspects of pleasure. Like if I went out and drank mm. or if I went out and um, I guess at this time I was like, I remember I was dating somebody, but I had been single. If I had like, if I had sex with somebody, any anything that has anything pleasure tied to it in the morning, I'd be like, why, why did I do that? You know, like, why did I spend money? Why did I eat pizza? Why did I have sex? Why did I drink alcohol? Whatever. Right. And right. I would just like beat myself up for it. And honestly, listening to that, that was the beginning of my journey a- away from that. And now where mm-hmm, I am, it's mm-hmm. like so different. It's, it's no longer it doesn't happen when i wake up i i'm not filled with shame so fuck yeah i did it i'm cured (laughs) we did it you're cured (laughs) i'm not mentally ill anymore (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah the last clip that i chose uh was my first response to how are you feeling I, i mean i feel like that a lot too the loneliness thing and i feel like a lot of people feel that way now in this world and how it's set up you know whether you're in comedy or not you know like when i sit with my loneliness i think it hits me harder now as an adult because i can preoccupy myself with work Mm -hmm. and 
work can also be it, it can be dangerous mm-hmm. in that it can um distract me from my feelings mm. and in this weekend where i normally have things planned i didn't have any professional engagements planned or social engagements mm-hmm. that's when like the loneliness hit me like a ton of bricks right yeah huh <laughs> you're like huh that well <laughs> can't help you that sucks <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like that too. But then I, I don't know what I do. I honestly, I just like stay home, and I, I don't think that that's like the way. I do I that. I just sort though. of sit in it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. What's the answer? I don't know. I think just speaking to it. Yeah. Like before, I would never tell people that I felt lonely. Mm. Yeah, that's a big step. I feel like just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Either because I was embarrassed, or. I like saying it felt like it was giving truth to that notion that mm-hmm. I am a lonely guy. Yeah, and this one, I uh I chose it for a couple reasons. So the first one being, you know, in it, I in the first episode I mentioned or I talked about how I felt lonely at the time of the recording because I had a lot of plans fall through and I felt very unwanted mm. um, because I just didn't have anything lined up. And it was just this convergence of, you know, professional appointments, personal appointments, romantic appo- engagements that kind of just fell by the wayside, like all at once, which made me feel very alone. Mm. And I don't think I'd ever really in some weird way. This podcast is was like I like trauma dumped on everyone. <laughs> but um it was, I think it was a time in my life where I was, uh, it was not easy for me to vocalize like a quote unquote embarrassing emotion like that. Yeah. Like to feel lonely. And mm. I still think that stigma is this because it's quote unquote losery or it's kind of cringe to feel that. Yeah. Um, Especially for men. But like straight men. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think, um, yeah. Since then, again, I chose it because it's it's a reminder of growth. I think in a way, weird way, this podcast will serve as like a personal journal uh, for me. And, you know, I, I since then I have these feelings of loneliness, but it doesn't feel like it's it's not as difficult to vocalize it since the recording of the first episode. I think I've gotten a lot better about leaning on my friends or my networks and opening up about my emotions in this way mm-hmm. um but another reason why i chose this is i talk about how and for an opposite reason i chose this because this is like a, a habit that i still haven't quite been able to shake off of using work as uh as a deflection or as a distraction from what's really hiding underneath the surface because mm. i i i think i love to lean on work because it's a, it feels one productive, but two, it can momentarily, uh, it's an escape for me yeah. from having to actually deal with the thing that I may be running away from. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, for two reasons: one, progress, but two, uh, you know, some, some, some demons just never go away in spite of recording <laughs> fucking over a hundred. 50 episodes of a podcast. (laughs) 
I think, you know, I always felt like um, you have talked about your loneliness. And I think it's really important. I think, you know, obviously for, like I said, like for straight men, they're like taught that they're not really supposed to emote or they're not supposed to like seek intimacy. And, you know, I've heard and read so many things now where a lot of like straight men, it's like embarrassing for them to need intimacy or friendships or something. So they like sort of like push it all into like having sex with, you know, and like using women and fucking women and throwing them away. And when they all, right, when right. all they wanted was to like hug their homies, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> but they can't hug their homies. So they're just going to go out and like fuck some poor woman and then ghost her. <laughs> And I think I think it's very big of you, Brian, to like name that emotion. And, uh, you know, it's it's very inspiring, I think, for a lot of men. It's okay to say you're lonely and maybe you just want to have, you know, a nice hug fest with your. If anything, I've regressed after three years of a podcast. You've regressed? (laughs) I've regressed. I listened to the first episode. I'm like, yo, should I just ended it right there? (laughs) Ended on top. (laughs) Don't. That's so embarrassing, Brian. Why would you say that? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean it is very real, though. I I think SNL did a a great sketch about it. It was like Man Park, where it was just the. Oh. It's like where guys can just meet other guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I had to clock myself and be like, "Damn, I laughed a little bit too hard at that sketch." You're like. <laughs> 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 is that real does it really exist oh man <laughs> no but um i'm really glad that you uh you proposed this episode young me um because it's for one it's sort of forced me to sort of clock like how far we've come mm-hmm. since we recorded it uh one of also you know i i want to stress like when we were recording it, we really felt that no one was going to listen. No. We didn't know what we were doing <laughs> at all. And yeah. after having done it for three years and going back and listening to the first episode, I was like, oh, yeah, this was great. And fu- was uh, no great shit idea. people listened to it. Like, this was good. Like, what we put out, even if it was our first thing, yeah. this was like a great podcast episode. And it's great. Exactly. But at the time, we didn't know that, you know, the only thing that was stopping us was our inner critic, our, our the inner cynic and yeah. the negative voices are telling us like, this is stupid. No one's going to listen. And, uh, you know, in the first episode, I think it served as like a thesis of what we wanted to accomplish with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was I, I was really like. I'm really glad you proposed it. I'm really glad I listened to it because I think uh, three years later, I think we we stayed true to our mission. And I think we accomplished all of it and more. Yeah. I mean, we we definitely hit on topics that I think both of us were very excited because we, you know, like your idea to start this podcast was like, I want to talk about stuff that I've never heard people talking about. And people weren't, you know, they, they do not talk about shit. Like I feel ashamed for enjoying pleasure you know yeah and i i feel lonely and i don't know like how to alleviate that um these are things that like yeah for sure people want to hear about and i'm really glad that we had the instinct to run with that 
you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well, that, mean, that leaves us with two more episodes after this. We have a... Well, a huge, huge. Allegedly, we have a great guest. Guest for the final <laughs> ever guest. guest. We got a, we got a, we got a big one. Uh, allegedly, hopefully, and uh, yeah, and then for the final episode, uh, we don't know what we're gonna do next, but I think it's gonna be a a, a celebratory one. Yeah, I want to end on a on a positive, good note. Yes, this was a reflective episode, but. Um, yeah, you know, for the listeners out there, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh want to stress that this podcast, more than anything, is it's always going to be there. It's a resource. And a lot of this stuff, these emotions, uh, I think as we've all learned, um, they, just, they don't just go away. <laughs> a lot of stuff will come up again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, is so it, what's I, if, if anything, it's going it, to... I want to go back and listen to other episodes and stuff is it that we recorded. Cyclical? Is that the word that goes in a circle? Cyclical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that I learned from therapy, which we always talk about, is that, you know, it's not like it's not linear. It's not like we're, you're cured and then next day you're cured. <laughs> it's it's the, you, go, you go around and around in a circle and you touch on it over yeah, and over yeah. again. And then after a few years, <laughs> you, you look, you see that you don't feel ashamed every morning, you know? It's like yeah but it's a circle it just keeps going round and round and that that's that's fine and uh yeah so listeners thank you for tuning in uh podcast is ending on november 16th we have two more wonderful episodes lined up for you and uh if you're a patreon subscriber uh after november 16th just a reminder thank you so much for your support of the podcast and it really has meant so much and um to unsubscribe after november 16th but if you want to keep subscribing uh <laughs> but if you want to keep subscribing we're all for it too <laughs> yeah, who knows yeah obviously yeah it's up to you we're doing our due diligence and <laughs> trying trying to be good good content creators <laughs> yeah and we're gonna have a party we're gonna announce that soon if you live in the new york area yes absolutely brian okay everyone oh yeah well, do you want to plug your uh, social media or no you don't care anymore Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, <laughs> listeners, be sure to follow. Don't go away. Please follow um, my socials at It's Brian Park. Please continue to follow the Feeling Asian podcast socials. Uh, you know, I'm pl- I'm going to go back to doing stand- a lot more stand-up. So, uh, I'll definitely just give me a follow if you want to see me perform. See you on the I'll streets. I'll be plugging on those socials. And... Uh, and uh, I'm having a brain fart, but what My, about you, Young Me? YM Mayor and then Young Me Mayor on TikTok, and I'll be on this. I'll be doing stand up too. Unfortunately for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So come see us perform. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, thank you again, listeners, and uh, yeah, we'll see you all here again next week. Bye, Bye. everyone.